Chapter Sixteen of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Sixteen. Miss Brotherton visits the widow Armstrong and lays the foundation of a very lasting friendship. She then calls at Dowling Lodge, but fails of obtaining what she went for. As soon as Miss Brotherton and Mrs. Tremlett had finished their breakfast on the morning after the interview with Sophie Drake in the drawing room at Milford Park, they set off together on foot to visit the widow Armstrong in Hoxley Lane. Nothing can happen to us worse than our adventure in the carriage the day before yesterday, observed the young lady you will confess dear friend will you not that sir matthew's walking into the carriage was more terrible than anything likely to befall us on the high road without one why i suppose i must my dear answered the old lady for to tell you the truth i don't think you could look more put out if a constable were to come up and arrest you decidedly not mrs tremlett and listen to the birds and sniff the sweet air and then tell me if we are not wise to walk the old woman confessed that she really did enjoy it, and on they went with the gardener's boy for a guide, till in less than an hour they found themselves before the door of number 12 in Hoxley Lane. Probably their little pioneer was not one of the widow's visitors, for the pass through the hedge leading to the back kitchen door appeared unknown to him, and in answer to Miss Brotherton's knock for admittance, the principal entrance to number 12 was opened by the ragged mistress of the tenement. "'Does the widow Armstrong live here?' inquired Mary yes ma'am observed the woman gloomily continuing as she made her way for the ladies to enter the widow armstrong is a lucky woman she has got but one child left to provide for and yet the gentlefolks keeps coming to help her but nobody thinks of me and my ten young ones the ready hand of miss brotherton was immediately in her purse that is a large family indeed my good woman are they none of them old enough to help themselves the seven oldest have all been in the factory from a'most the time they could stand ma'am replied mrs sykes and if they hadn't they must have been dead and buried long ago for want of bread but though they have worked poor creatures early and late there's no more come of it than that their bones be here instead of in the churchyard but with so large a number all receiving wages said miss brotherton gently i should have hoped that you might have found yourselves better off than you seem to be and that's what we are told ma'am from year's end to year's end and we must bear it for there is no help but tis a'most as bitter as the work that grinds us neither the person or manner of mrs sykes were in any degree prepossessing she was dirty and in every way untidy in the extreme she had on her feet the fragments of a pair of men's shoes but no stockings the rest of her clothing being barely sufficient to cover her her eye voice and complexion furnished strong indications of her being accustomed to take spirits while her frightfully thin limbs gave her the appearance of being half starved in short it was impossible to look at her without feeling that she was a degraded as well as a suffering being mary brotherton did feel this and her heart sunk within her as she thought of sophie drake of her drunken father and of all mrs tremlett had told her respecting the vice which like a wide-spreading and hideous epidemic seemed to ravage in all directions the miserable neighbourhood in which fate had placed her she shuddered as she contemplated the wretched being that stood before her and till she had spoken the words given above a deep feeling of the woman's unworthiness chilled the ready pity of her warm young heart but both in these words themselves and in the tone of quiet settled despair in which they were spoken there was a frightful and mysterious allusion to some species of injustice and cruelty under which accusations she seemed herself to be included 
the distaste and reprobation that were a moment before making hasty inroads upon her benevolence seemed suddenly arrested as she listened and she was about to repeat again the question she had already so uselessly asked as to whence this universal severity of judgment against the factory labours arose and wherefore beyond all others submitted to the sentence which dooms human beings to toil these people should appear to loathe their employment and execrate as it should seem the very means by which they lived but ere her lips opened to demand the explanation to which she so eagerly desired to listen a glance at the hard features of the wretched woman checked her it cannot be from such as these thought she that truth and instruction can be reasonably looked for and as she silently gave her alms and moved onwards towards the door which had been pointed to as that of the widow armstrong something like a systematic project for making herself mistress of the knowledge she wanted for the first time suggested itself to her imagination mrs sykes eyed the silver largesse as it fell into her hand with a glance that seemed to devour it and the words of thanks she uttered were almost hysterical in their eager vehemence after delaying a moment for the contemplation of this precious drudge twixt man and man she opened the door of communication and miss brotherton and her friend passed into the dwelling-room of the widow armstrong contrary to custom her lame boy edward was sitting on the side of her bed and when mary entered he was holding her hand and gazing in her face with an expression of countenance which appeared to both the intruders to be the most piteous they had ever looked upon the poor child was looking too most wretchedly ill and the first idea which suggested itself was that he felt himself to be dying notwithstanding the extreme poverty of the widow armstrong there was an air of decency and decorum about her that might in any situation have commanded respect but when contrasted with the appearance of her neighbour seemed to indicate a claim to more observance than her visitors were showing by this sudden and uninvited entrance i beg your pardon mrs armstrong said mary gently for breaking in upon you so abruptly and i fear our doing so may have startled your sick child this little fellow is very ill i fear it is long since he has known health ma'am replied the widow but it is not that which makes him look so white and trembling now we have lost what was dearer to us both than all the world beside and though i don't think as this one will ever look up again i can't find a word in my heart to comfort him what then has happened to you said mary with much interest nothing bad to your son michael i hope you know michael ma'am said the poor woman anxiously i have seen him at sir matthew dowling's she replied i wish you never had ma'am rejoined the widow bitterly we were only starving before but now we are worse than that do explain to me what you mean mrs armstrong said mary i ought to do it ma'am for you speak kindly and that's a claim poor folks can seldom withstand but how can i tell you the matter ma'am i know nothing and that's the reason why poor edward and i are so miserable but that is a bad way to get into my good mrs armstrong said mary cheerfully don't fret yourself about fancied evils which perhaps do not exist little edward here should know better than that the pale broken-hearted boy looked at her with lack-lustre eyes but said nothing are you uneasy because michael has not been down to see you lately resumed miss brotherton he never failed to come ma'am till he was carried away from us replied the widow with a sob that seemed the result of strength exhausted and weakness that could struggle no longer carried away from you cried mary changing colour what do you mean mrs armstrong who has carried away michael from you sir matthew dowling ma'am has taken him away 
and another sob followed the words do not think i torment you thus from idle curiosity pursued mary bending over her but i entreat you to explain to me fully what you mean i am greatly interested for your little boy i thank you for it ma'am returned the poor mother mournfully but i can tell little that you or any grand lady the friend of sir matthew would think to the purpose yet the parting with him without one blessing or one kiss is hard to bear though we don't justly know that any harm's come to him i am no particular friend of sir matthew dowling's replied mary with an accent which perhaps spoke more than her words then i will tell you about michael exclaimed the lame boy coming round the bed to the place where she was standing and looking into her face as if he thought he could read all her thoughts there you have seen poor mike when he was living there ma'am yes i have my dear boy she replied gazing with deep feeling at his pale but beautiful countenance i have seen him there more than once edward and i am quite sure he was not happy though he was dressed so fine he was more unhappy ten times over replied edward than when he was as ragged as me was he unkindly treated demanded mary he was beaten kicked and spit upon cried edward bursting into tears and then he was told to laugh and look merry a wretched wretched sort of cruelty she replied of which i can well believe sir matthew capable but surely you do not suppose that he has run away from it without telling you or his mother that he had such an intention if you knew mike better ma'am you wouldn't think that he could do such wickedness said the mother he has stood beating with strap and stick for years ma'am young as he is and never asked to stop from the mill a day though he has been bruised almost to a jelly and worse than that too poor lamb a hundredfold with such a heart as his he has seen his lame brother there that was always dearer a great deal to him than himself he has seen the cruel stripes fall on his poor shoulders too and though he has come home with his little face washed with tears from it he didn't think of running away mary saw that she had given pain and hastened to atone for it by expressing her sorrow for supposing such a thing possible and then repeated her request that she might be told what it was that had happened the widow then related more succinctly than might have been expected all that had passed between herself her boy and miss martha dowling on the morning which followed the theatrical representation at dowling lodge and before she proceeded further edward bore testimony to the spirited and courageous willingness with which his brother had adopted the proposed scheme he had it seemed as usual watched teddy's return from the factory told him what sir matthew proposed doing for him and declared that hard as it would be to part with him and mother he was ready and willing to start and was quite determined to be the best boy that ever was prenticed and to be workman enough to maintain them both as soon as his time was out here the widow again resumed her narrative and related very accurately the scene of the following morning dwelling much on the young lady's kind manner and on her putting it to her whether she advised that the child should go or not and martha dowling counselled you to let him go demanded miss brotherton yes again and again she did replied the poor mother you are quite sure it was miss martha oh yes ma'am my mike took care to make me understand that the day they came together then be quite easy in your mind mrs armstrong said mary eagerly i have no great liking for sir matthew dowling i do not think well of him nor have i much to say in favour of any of his family they seem to me to be cold-hearted selfish people but for this one this miss martha that you speak of i will undertake to answer for it that she has never deceived you and that if she advise you to let michael go 
it was because she thought the doing so would be advantageous for him bless you for ever and for ever ma'am cried mrs armstrong seizing the hand of mary and pressing it to her lips there is truth ma'am in your voice and in your eyes do as i do edward dear look at the kind face of this young lady and see if you can't find comfort from what she says i did think myself ignorant as i am that the young lady had an honest face but oh ma'am let it be as it will and make the very best of it tis cruel to have our darling taken away in this fashion without one word of take leave and blessing indeed it is replied mary and your being ignorant of the place of his destination increases this anxiety but on this point at least i think i shall be able to set your mind at rest before this time to-morrow i will take care to see some part of the family at the lodge and shall certainly not scruple to inquire every particular respecting your boy keep up your spirits therefore both of you and for the future let this little fellow here look to me for his wages i won't have him go to the factory any more what sum has he been receiving for his work astonishment very literally rendered the widow armstrong dumb on hearing this most extraordinary proposal poor soul a few short days ago it would have been sufficient to make her forget her weakness and her want and have put her in a state of mind that queens might envy for she would hardly have been able to remember that it was possible to have another wish but now the first use she made on recovering her speech was to exclaim oh michael michael why beant you by to hear this he shall hear it mrs armstrong said mary in a voice of such cheerful confidence that the terrors of both mother and son seemed to vanish before it mrs tremlett too ventured to add an encouraging commentary upon mary's proposed visit of inquiry at the lodge observing that it was altogether out of probability that they should want to make any mystery as to where the little fellow was gone mrs armstrong as she listened seemed almost too happy to credit the evidence of her own senses but in the deep-set melancholy eye of edward there was still an expression of suffering and of fear that looked as if misery had taken a hold upon him that could not be relinquished now i must go said the young lady rising or i shall hardly have time to keep my promise but i must settle with you first my dear boy what was the amount of your wages by the month six shillings ma'am replied edward looking at her as she drew out her purse with an eye that seemed to doubt what it beheld six shillings cried miss brotherton as she put the pitiful wages of a long month's agony into the little trembling hand and have you lost your health and liberty for this tears started to her eyes as she contemplated the look of wonder and delight expressed by the countenance of the poor widow yet that look was not turned upon her stretching out her arms to the boy she caught him to her bosom and held him there much as if she had suddenly beheld him snatched from the fangs of some devouring monster the face of the child himself she could not see but his whole frame trembled and they fancied he was shedding tears god bless you both she said to-morrow you shall see me again and so saying she took the arm of her friend and again passed through the dwelling-room of mrs sykes the woman had now three little dirty creatures round her to whom she was giving bread heaven keep you ma'am this is your treat she said as mary and her friend passed through it is the first time for many a week that i have fed em so freely poor creatures miss brotherton's heart was too full to answer she nodded her head and passed on their homeward walk up oxley lane across the london road and along a pretty shaded bridle road that led to a gate in her own park paling 
was performed almost entirely in silence there is a state of mind in which ideas come with too much violence and rapidity to be told off in words when this happens from an excess of happy imaginings no condition can be more delightful but when as in the present case it arises from the remembrance of painful realities it is greatly the reverse the misery around her was no longer a matter of doubtful speculation but of most frightful certainty neither was it any vice in little edward armstrong which drove him to offer up his sickly suffering frame to ceaseless labour at the rate of three pence for each long painful day she felt oppressed overwhelmed and almost hopeless yet at that time mary brotherton knew not guessed not dreamed not of the hundredth part of what the unhappy class who had thus roused her human sympathies were daily and hourly suffering around her the first words she spoke on entering her house were to order her carriage and having gone so far in the performance of the task she had undertaken she turned with tender kindness to her old friend and gave as much care to her comfort and refreshment as if the relative situation which they had borne to each other in days of yore was just reversed and that mary was the nurse and mrs tremlett the nursling you shall do nothing more before dinner my dear good soul but lie down upon the sofa and get cool not even mrs gabberly i suppose could see anything particularly dangerous and improper in my going alone to pay a visit to martha dowling and alone to dowling lodge the heiress went pretty steadfastly determined not to leave it till she had learnt exactly at what point of the earth's surface michael armstrong might be found she inquired for martha and was shown as usual into my lady's morning drawing-room where to her extreme annoyance she found her ladyship sir matthew lady clarissa shrimpton and miss mogg if lady dowling could have been glad to see any pretty young lady it would have been miss brotherton and she did exert herself more than usual to be civil while on the contrary sir matthew both felt and evinced considerably less satisfaction at the sight of her than he had ever done since the fact of her heiress-ship had become matter of unquestionable notoriety to the whole neighbourhood but if his reception was cold that of lady clarissa was warm for she actually threw her arms round the young lady reproaching her at the same time very tenderly for not having sent to say she was going to drive to dowling lodge i should have liked your carriage my dear so much better than my broiling little phaeton it was hardly possible at that moment that either one of the four persons present could have said anything to her sufficiently interesting to fully awaken her sense of hearing unless indeed sir matthew had led the conversation to michael armstrong but this he did not do and therefore having endured lady clarissa's embrace and answered her mechanically she knew not what miss brotherton walked up to the sofa where the lady of the mansion as usual sat enthroned and said will you be so good ma'am as to let miss martha be told that i am come to call upon her the surprised eyebrows with which her ladyship listened to this speech would probably under other circumstances have given birth to an exceedingly comical caricature but at this moment mary brotherton had no fun in her thoughts and not immediately receiving an answer she said loud enough for sir matthew to hear will you give me leave to ring the bell and ask for the pleasure of seeing miss martha lady dowling still remained silently staring at her but not so sir matthew he reached the bell almost as soon as the young lady herself and fully persuaded that this most unaccountable request could only proceed from some little manoeuvring project at that moment labouring in the fair brotherton's head which had somehow or other his son augustus for its object his countenance resumed all its former affectionate urbanity towards her and taking her arm too suddenly for any contrivance to prevent it he said martha 
do you want to see martha my dear to be sure you shall she is a dowling miss brotherton though not quite like the rest of us but where is the dowling young or old male or female who would not fly from the farthest corner of the world to see you i only want to see miss martha just now sir replied mary half smiling and martha you shall see my dear without a moment's delay desire miss martha dowling to come here instantly he continued as the door opened and a servant appeared at it adding when the door closed again you do her an honour my dear miss brotherton in thus asking for her that more than one of her family perhaps might feel inclined to envy but as miss brotherton made no answer at all and lady clarissa began to hem and fidget and walk towards the window all which the observant knight well knew were pretty lures meant to recall him he contented himself with gallantly drawing forward an armchair for the heiress at no great distance from lady dowling and then strode across the apartment to soothe the irritation of his noble friend martha never suffered a summons from her father to remain a moment unanswered the message had been delivered to her in his name and she entered almost immediately miss brotherton who was in no humour to make small talk for her ladyship instantly rose and went forward to meet her i took the liberty of sending for you my dear miss martha she said to request you would let me speak to you alone for five minutes will you take a parasol and let us walk into the shrubbery together martha who certainly liked miss brotherton notwithstanding the late painful scene produced by her indiscretion and who moreover at this moment joyfully recollected how charming an anecdote she had now to relate concerning her father acquiesced in this proposal with a ready smile and saying that her parasol was always in the hall the two young ladies left the room together no sooner did she find herself beneath the sheltering trees of the extensive shrubbery and ascertained by looking round that they were really alone than miss brotherton passing her arm through that of her companion said my dear miss martha i cannot help feeling great interest in the welfare of the little boy whom we saw performing the other night little michael armstrong i mean will you have the kindness to tell me where he is now instead of giving a direct answer martha eagerly exclaimed i am so glad miss brotherton that you asked to see me for i have quite longed to tell you all particulars about that little fellow and all that papa has been doing for him i do assure you miss brotherton that notwithstanding what you saw the other night papa has been and still is most excessively kind to him only he was very troublesome about the acting and papa's temper is hasty that as you must be aware miss brotherton is the case with many people but there are very few who have the courage and candour to own it as my father does in justice to him i must tell you what happened the morning after the unfortunate play my father sent for me and said that he was perfectly miserable in his mind on account of the anger he had shown towards michael he told me as frankly as possible that he had beat him and that in consequence of this the boy was evidently so afraid of him that he had no enjoyment when in his presence and he went on to say that such being the case he was determined to apprentice the child to a good trade where he might learn to maintain himself comfortably and assist his family besides so you see miss brotherton concluded martha in an eager voice and with heightened colour you see that if papa loses his temper he knows how to atone for it miss brotherton listened to this statement with the most unbroken attention and had she not been previously aware of the kind and excellent nature of martha dowling she would have become so then her hopes too that all was fair and right concerning the disposal of the little boy were strengthened and in full confidence of receiving a satisfactory answer she said i am very much obliged to you martha for telling me all this 
because I truly feel an interest in the little fellow. And now I hope you will tell me also to what part of the country he has been sent. I would tell you in a moment if I knew, my dear Miss Brotherton, but I do not. His departure at last was very sudden, owing, I believe, to Papa's having found some particularly good opportunity of sending him. I wonder you should never have asked where he was sent to, Miss Martha, said Mary gravely. I did ask Miss Brotherton, replied Martha, but Papa said he could not recollect the name of the place. Mary changed colour as she remembered the promise she had given to the child's mother, but after a moment's reflection said, Perhaps he may have recollected it since, my dear. I wish you would run in and ask him to come to me for a moment. Martha seemed to hesitate. I am sure, said she, after a little hesitation, that Papa would be delighted to come here to talk with you, Miss Brotherton. Only Lady Clarissa might. Nay, then, I'll go to him myself, said Mary rather abruptly. There is no particular objection, I suppose, to Lady Clarissa's being led into the secret of the little Michael's abode. And immediately turning her steps towards the house, she re-entered the drawing-room, followed by Martha. They found Sir Matthew engaged in exhibiting a portfolio of splendid engravings to her ladyship, who was descanting upon them with rapture, though the application of a near-sighted glass to one long-sighted eye, while the other was effectually closed, rendered them pretty nearly invisible to her. "'I beg ten thousand pardons, Sir Matthew,' said the heiress, placing herself at the opposite side of the loo table, and thereby commanding a perfect view of his countenance. "'But you are too good-natured, I am sure, to be angry with me, even though I do interrupt you. "'Will you have the kindness to tell me, sir, while Lady Clarissa is lost in admiration of that enchanting Venus, where little Michael Armstrong has been sent to?' The question was too unexpected for even Sir Matthew's sturdy self-possession to receive it as he would have wished to do. His bold eye, which had been gaily fixed on the young lady as she spoke to him, fell before her keen, inquiring glance, and he turned the page of Lady Clarissa's adoration with rather unseemly rapidity as he replied, "'To a tradesman, that is, to a manufacturer, some miles further north, Miss Brotherton.' "'I have just been telling Lady Clarissa,' continued the knight, recovering his audacity, I have just been telling her all the little fellow's adventures. The love of novelty seemed to have superseded all other love in his young heart, for he was delighted to go. But he could not have liked going without taking leave of his mother and brother, Sir Matthew. I have just seen them, and they are in a perfect agony about him. In fact, I am come here on purpose to ask where he has been sent. Fairest of messengers, exclaimed the knight with a tender smile, how utterly miserable shall I be if I cannot answer you. I think it is to Halifax. I am almost sure that it is either to Halifax or Wakefield that he is gone. You have bound the little fellow apprentice you do not know where, said Miss Brotherton, with undisguised astonishment. I do not say that, my dear young lady. I know he is apprenticed to an excellent good man, who is a stocking-weaver. But he has two or three large concerns belonging to him, and I protest to you that at this moment I really cannot say to which this little fellow has been sent. "'I am quite shocked to give you so much trouble, Sir Matthew,' returned Mary. "'But I should be exceedingly obliged if you would learn the name of the place and let me know it. "'I ventured, sir, to promise the boy's mother that I would learn this for her, "'and I am quite sure that you will not let me disappoint her.' "'Most assuredly not. "'I will call or send to-morrow at the latest, my charming Miss Brotherton. "'How I adore your benevolence! "'No wonder you are such friends, Lady Clarissa.' Your hearts are made upon the same model. 
to this satisfactory assurance miss brotherton made no answer but telling sir matthew that she should remain at home on the morrow for the purpose of receiving his promised information took her leave with increased dislike of sir matthew perhaps yet with no very serious fears about the fate of little michael miss brotherton boldly determined to brave all the wonder which the act might occasion and ordered her carriage to stop at number twelve hoxley lane ashley as it happened however she escaped all her military admirers and reached the widow armstrong without interruption the absorbing mills were in full activity and few of the inhabitants of the miserable region through which she passed were left to gaze on the unwanted spectacle the answer she brought was received by the widow and her boy with breathless attention but it was quite evident that it did not altogether remove the sort of vague terror which seemed to have taken possession of them mary's cheerful assurance however that she should soon bring them more satisfactory intelligence could not be listened to without good effect and she left them at last so infinitely happier than she had found them that spite of sir matthew's unsatisfactory reply and most unsatisfactory manner she still blessed her morning's work End of chapter sixteen